0: Well, hey, happy Father's Day. It is a, uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful day uh, for Father's Day. And um, I, I remember back when my oldest daughter was born, and uh, we had that opportunity where I'm, I am now just, uh, I'm, I'm no, longer, uh, not, no longer just my wife and I, and now here I am to be a father. And that is a, that is a daunting task. And so um, I want to invite you to, uh, to watch, uh, watch this video, just a, a simple tribute to fathers this morning. Fathers, uh, you truly are loved, and I was thinking of the, uh, that last, one of those last images there was a, a father and son having a pillow fight. Uh, my son, if, if we were to have a pillow fight, he would destroy me. That's, uh, that's the nature of my son. He'd probably put a shoe in there or something like that. It would be fantastic. Uh, let me just share a couple of thoughts here uh, when it comes to uh, what a father is, and this will just be just a couple of moments here. The father loves the Lord, his wife, and his children. The father is a giver of his love, his time, his talents and his gifts to his family and to God. The father shares the hope in Jesus Christ. The father is an overcomer by trusting God to deliver him. The father is wounded but gives the wounds to God for his healing. The father fails but allows God to father him. The father models forgiveness by asking forgiveness when he fails and giving forgiveness. The father is intentional in his investment, engagement, and involvement. The father teaches his children courage, how to overcome obstacles, to go beyond. The father is an encourager by instilling in his sons uh, that they have what it takes. The father loves and, and teaches daughters their value to respect and love themselves. The father is a warrior in God's image by continually interceding and battling for others. The father knows and trusts that the battle is the Lord's. And so fathers, this day, wherever you are, I would like to just pray a, a simple blessing over you and ask God's, uh, God's heart to be uh, expressed through you. And I don't know about you, but uh, some of you, maybe your fathers have passed on like my father or uh, others of you did not have a great example of a father that's a reflection of God uh, that's where our Father in Heaven uh, so ably comes alongside of us and teaches us, as I just read a moment ago. And so uh, why don't we just take a moment to pray and bless the fathers. If you are somewhere near your father right now, you're a young kid or a teenager and your, your dad is in the room there, uh, maybe uh, you're thinking about your father now who is far away from here, but let's just pray God's blessing on each one of our fathers. Lord, you are, you are incredible. And God, we are grateful that you are the best example of a father that all of us could ask for. And Father, while our own earthly fathers perhaps have had inadequacies, they've had brokenness that's been on display, and, and uh, they mistreated their, their wives, they mistreated their children, or uh, God, we, some of us might have even had incredible examples of what it means uh, to be a father or to have a father. God, regardless of those circumstances, for every one of our fathers now, Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. That God, these, these biological fathers, these adoptive dads, uh, God, whoever they are and in the, in the influencers in our lives, those male figures, God, I ask that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that your image would be more, uh, more exactly, uh, be, be described in and through their lives and that, God, people would be drawn to you through them who are incredible fathers. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each one of the fathers that are represented in Life Church specifically. And then, God, beyond that, Lord, everyone who's listening and uh, watching online, God, pr- I pray your blessing upon these dads and their influence upon the lives of our children. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we are continuing our series uh, this morning on parables. And I want to thank Pastor Eric uh, last week for bringing us uh, really an incredible message about forgiveness. And I'll be talking about that in just a moment. Um, But I want to start with a guy that you might be familiar with. His name is uh, John the Baptist. uh, And he was a wandering wanderer. If anyone would have been a strong supporter of Jesus, it was John the Baptist. One of the reasons for that is the fact that John the Baptist was uh, Jesus' cousin. Uh, What's up, cuz? And so, so it was Jesus' cousin. And so they, they could have uh, certainly grown up in the same area, the same region, maybe even had family dinners together from time to time, just like we do. And uh, John was the one, uh, that he was the one that Jesus proclaimed as the greatest among men born of women. That's pretty high praise from Jesus himself. Uh, He was confident in the message of repentance. That's why he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. He embraced the kingdom of God. If anyone knew God, it was John. And yet he was confused. You can turn to Matthew chapter 11, and and we'll kind of talk about the story here in just a moment. Uh, We were in our, um, well, have you ever thought you knew something only to have it shift on you? Uh, We were talking in our life group uh, the other night about gifts that we've given to our children and as parents, right, fathers, you, 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 you recognize this. As, uh, as, as parents, you want to give those good gifts to your kids. And so you look at what's kind of popular around maybe, and, and you go, wow, this would be an incredible gift. And so you go out and you spend way too much money on a gift that you know is going to be the right thing for your kid. Christmas comes around or birthday or some other special event comes around. And we, we were laughing because this happened to, to many of us in there that had, had, uh, had children. Um, they would open the gift... They would look at the gift, and they would set the gift aside. These are certainly the younger kids. What would they do? They would grab the box that cost pennies, and that's what they would play with. We thought we had it figured out. We thought we knew what our kids wanted, but that was not the case. One of our uh, one of the people in our life group said that when when one of their kids opened up the gift, they started crying (laughs) when they got the gift. That is not the response to give kids. If you're watching right now, just smile and fake it. Right? What what was expected? So John the Baptist, he knew Jesus. Uh, He proclaimed him as the one whose sandal he was unworthy to untie. He proclaimed him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now John is in prison. He's been arrested by the Roman authorities. Uh, The expectation of the kingdom of God seems to be fading. You see, he had this idea that the kingdom of God was going to look a certain way. It was going to feel a certain way. It was going to accomplish certain things in his own lifetime. And he was confused and a little bit uh, bewildered. His emotional strength was waning. Uh, the cell was dark and cold. Jesus, this isn't what I expected. I had hoped. Have you ever said that to Jesus before? Jesus is not what I expected. I had hoped that things would be different. I had hoped that the marriage would be restored. I had hoped. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. When John heard in prison that the Messiah, what the Messiah was doing, so he calls Jesus the Messiah, that's a loaded word in Jewish, uh, Jewish theology, right? The, the Messiah, the one who was coming to take uh, the kingdom and take the reins. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Let me read between the lines here. Uh, Jesus, this isn't turning out like we expected it to. Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. And then he gives this incredible list: the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Do you hear the heart of uh, John's heart on display? Jesus, I thought I had it figured out. I I thought that you would rise as king among us. I thought that you would bring justice right now to the kingdom. He says this, are you the one or should we wait for another? It's not happening fast enough for us. I love this. So Jesus, when he responds, he gives that list. The blind healed, lame walked, lepers cleansed, deaf here, dead raised, poor made important, the outcast brought close, lives are transformed. These are all the things that were promised way back in the Old Testament as signs of God's chosen one. And the cool thing is, is that Jesus' response is not necessarily an allusion to things that were written long ago. Jesus points to individual stories that say, yeah, the time is now. Perhaps even tied names to it or pointed to people in the crowd at the time. Because remember, uh, John's disciples came to him and said, Jesus, are you the one we should expect or is there somebody else coming? And Jesus is surrounded by a crowd and he might begin pointing to so-and-so. This person. This person couldn't walk, but now they're healed and they can walk. Oh, this person over here couldn't see. Now they can see. This one couldn't hear. Now they can hear. And these are the stories, not just about back then, but these are the stories of now. These are the stories of you and me. You see, John was looking for this big picture. Jesus, we want all of it figured out now. We want all of it figured out. We, we want your kingdom now. We want justice. we want it now. Jesus gave him snapshots of people's lives that were transformed and said, these are where the kingdom is being born. And this is the kingdom of God, both the big and the small. John's expectation was for a later time, but now Jesus was talking about what was happening because of the kingdom now. So when Jesus began telling this parable in uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, there was a purpose and a timing to why he was saying uh, these parables right at that moment. And as we found out last week, as Pastor Eric was showing us the power of the parable to dig right to the heart of a matter and uh, uh, dealing with forgiveness, and in our life group this past uh, past weekend, uh, man, were we challenged one of the best discussions we've had about forgiveness. What does that mean and how do we actually do it in the tough situations of life? And uh, So if you haven't heard that one, go back and uh, listen to, uh, to that service. But these, you know, these parables, they reveal the power of forgiveness and mercy and justice. So here in chapter 13, we have a quick series of parables that Jesus tells, kind of one right after the other. And uh, this is actually going to be broken up into two weeks. So this week, we're talking about the kingdom. Next week, we're going to talk about the two kind of book end parables with this. And we're, today, we're going to be dealing with the ones that are right in the middle, kind of like the peanut butter and jelly part of the sandwich. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So this week we're looking at those middle ones, and so Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to encourage you to go out and read that on your own because it's really fantastic. So remember, John the Baptist was struggling with some of the same thoughts that we have about Jesus, about the kingdom of God, how all this plays out. Jesus, this doesn't seem to be making sense the way we thought it was going to. And so then in Matthew chapter 13... So the setting of this, now Jesus is talking to a, a crowd of people. As we know, uh, Jesus had lots of people that would gather around him to hear his teaching. And so this crowd of people is gathered around him. In Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 31, it says he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So, Jesus is giving a parable based on the people around him. And, and this group of people, these were the farmers, these were the day laborers, these were the people that understood what it meant to be planting and sowing and harvesting and reaping all of that. So, he's, uh, he's tailoring his message for those around him. In Matthew chapter 13, right after this, verse 33, he told them uh, still another parable. <clears throat> Excuse me. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into or hid in about 60 pounds of flour until it worked uh, all through the dough. Okay, 60 pounds of flour. For those of you who are cooks, that's going to make a lot of bread. And so it says that she took uh, just a little bit of this and hid it or mixed it into 60 pounds of flour. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd uh, in parables. He did not say anything to them without using A parable. So the theme here with these two uh, these two stories is that of unexpected influence on something that starts off uh, insignificant or small. Uh, A negative example of this, and uh, it's a little bit painful uh, a little bit painful for me right now. uh, working down in the basement right now, trying to finish off our basement. We got, all of our children came back. You know, at some point, your, your kids are supposed to move out of the house. All of ours came back, so we've got to have room in our house. And uh, so down there working on the basement, and the other day, I kind of was reaching into a bucket to grab something. It happened to be a piece of wood, and I got a splinter underneath my fingernail. How many of you are squirming right now, right? Okay, I feel that pain with you right now. But it was a little, tiny sliver right there. So insignificant, so small. I mean, you could, I could barely even see it. And the problem was, I could really get it out very easily. And so I'm trying to buy it. I'm trying to, you know, I'm getting everything. So finally, uh, you know, I'm trying to just live with it for a little while, put my gloves back on, try to do it. But that little insignificant thing deeply impacted the way I was able to do my work. And so finally, I'm like, oh, I got to go get some tweezers, pull that thing out because it hurts so bad. Um, that's a negative example of what I'm talking about here with, uh, with the parables that Jesus was telling about. Something so small can deeply impact the joy of your day. The small mustard seed insignificant at the beginning, but so much larger at the end. The yeast and the bread, kind of an insignificant small amount, mixed it in or hides it in the larger, uh, the larger um, amount of flour there, and it eventually affects all of the dough. Have you ever left, uh, if you have like a bread machine, have you ever left the, uh, the dough in a little bit too long and it kind of explodes up and out of there? Or one time we did this, this is exciting, took that frozen bread dough, and uh, left it in the refrigerator too long. <laughs> it eventually explodes. It's very, very fun. Don't do that. It's, very, it's a huge mess. Um, so in these two parables, two big ideas to hold on to for us this morning. The kingdom, number one, the kingdom may seem to start small. The kingdom may seem to start small, like the mustard seed, the first steps you take in following Christ, starting a new spiritual discipline, sharing Jesus, Jesus with someone for the first time, it seems like such a small step. seems like not much is happening, but just wait. Just wait. The kingdom of God is often like this at the beginning. And this seed leads to the next, uh, next point. Number two, the kingdom is growing within you to influence others. The kingdom is growing within you to influence others. Keyword here, don't stop. Don't give up in these early stages. Let the unseen influence of the kingdom of God continue to work within you. The revealing will take place, but it takes time. Stay faithful. Stay strong. Don't get discouraged. Remember John the Baptist? It seems like the kingdom of God was not what he thought it was turning out to be. It it was taking so much longer, but Jesus put into perspective something powerful. It's the individual lives that are transformed that grow to be the revelation of the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. It's the individual lives that are transformed that grow to be the revelation of the kingdom of God. What you do matters. How you live your life matters because it's a reflection of the kingdom of God growing in you what you believe is vital. How you live your life of influence may start small, but God is with you. Like the yeast in the bread, we don't see it work immediately, but it's working through every bit of our lives and in every one of our relationships. So, after these this time of teaching that Jesus was speaking to the crowd of people, it looks like Jesus uh, pulls aside his disciples and they head to a nearby home. And now Jesus is talking to his disciples. Doesn't say exactly who's in there with him, but probably some of the crowd and the disciples are there. And uh, he, begins to, um, he begins to teach them, uh, the disciples, a little more close, a close-knit group here. So at the beginning of this uh, section, he talks about the parable that we're going to talk about next week, Um, and uh, that's the parable of the weeds and the wheat, and so I'm excited to talk about that next week. Um, And then he moves into uh, three more parables, the last of them we're going to talk about next week as well. And so he talks about two of them, Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 44. And remember now, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Jesus is now talking to those who are closest to him, kind of that inner circle group of people. Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. You ever had hidden, found hidden treasure before? Mine ends up being like broken pieces of like aluminum, <laughs> right? That's all I ever find. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, another parable, kind of along the same lines. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So these two parables act like, uh, just like the previous two, revealing an aspect of the kingdom of God through story. These super simple parables help us to grasp a little more about the kingdom of God and how its influence is upon us and upon the world around us. And so with these parables, two things also I want us to consider this morning. Uh, Number one, the kingdom of God can be found. You realize that? The kingdom of God can be found. And notice the different settings of these parables. And this is really important, I think, for us to kind of unpack a little bit. In the first one it says that this this guy is going about his daily work and stumbles upon the treasure. In the second parable, um, the merchant is specifically searching for the pearl. He's specifically searching for this treasure, one that would take his breath away. And so whether someone stumbles upon the reality of the kingdom of God or somebody is out there actively seeking and pursuing and longing for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God can be found. And this gives me tremendous hope for those that are around us. There are people who in the valley are searching for the kingdom of God, so hungry for the kingdom of God, and God says it can be found. There are others of you, maybe you just kind of stumbled into the kingdom. Somebody randomly gave you a a piece of paper that invited you to a a service or a a special event, or uh, somebody, uh, just a couple of cubicles down from you, has been praying for you for a long time, and you stumble your way into the kingdom of God. Maybe a friend invited you to church, and uh, by the way, we can't wait for July 12th. Uh, We'll be gathered together again. It's going to look very different, right? We know that there are some limitations when it comes to the building and how the service uh, is going to look like, but we're going to be opening up on uh, July 12th, so super excited about that. Um, But maybe somebody's going to invite you (laughs) to a July 12th uh, service, and you said yes before you had a chance to say no, and you don't know why you said yes, uh, but uh, you're like, yes, I'll go, and then you're like, no, why did I say that? You stumbled your way into the kingdom of God. Maybe tragedy strikes. And you turned your voice up to heaven hoping someone was listening. And somewhere, somehow, some way, God revealed himself to you. Perhaps you're just following culture and family, began searching differently, and Jesus shows up through your search thinking you are already following him but realizing I have so far to go to understanding who Jesus is, and now he's revealing himself through his kingdom. So no matter the circumstances of your life, the kingdom can be found in Jesus Christ. And the last thing here is uh, the kingdom is worth everything. The kingdom is worth everything. Now remember, these, these, these last two parables were told to the disciples. Told to them saying, look, this, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything for the kingdom of God. But the great thing is, is the kingdom is worth it. In both parables, value was celebrated through sacrifice. The treasure, the pearl, worth selling everything to acquire. The sacrifice of obtaining the treasure was worth it. Likewise in our lives today. You see, because there are kingdoms that are competing for us. We hear narratives on the, ra- on the radio, on the news. We hear uh, narratives when, or we, uh, we uh, read narratives that are out there about different cultural mentalities. We, we hear these things out there and we see them in action all around us and yet the kingdom is right there, another narrative. Often at odds with the narratives that we hear in the world around us. Each of the other kingdoms are destined to fail. Only one kingdom will survive. That is ultimately the kingdom of God. In every decision, we need to consider which kingdom we are representing. Are we representing a cultural phenomenon of the moment or the eternal truth of God's grace? God's kingdom is worth everything to us who are following Jesus. And because of this, there's a tension that we live in. We ask the same question that John the Baptist did. Jesus or Messiah, I'm looking all around me. I see upheaval. I see brokenness. I see all of this. And yet here you are, the Messiah. <laughs> and just like John, we wonder when we see the upheaval and we wonder if God is at work. John saw cultural decay in his own, in his own society all around him with Roman rule and Jewish uh, religious culture there. He saw all of it and was responding potentially in fear and dismay. And we feel the same thing. We ask the question, God, are you able to change our world? God, is your kingdom really at work in the world around us? This is why who we are is so important now more than ever. Because I don't know about you, but I can feel like that mustard seed I can feel like that little tiny bit of leaven thrown into this incredible mix around me. And just like you, I wonder, is my life really measuring up? Is my life really having that deep influence that I would long for it to have in the world around me? Folks, i got to tell you, it's worth it. Every decision you make for the kingdom of God, every decision that you make in following Jesus, everything you have to give up, everything that you embrace in following Him, it is all worth it. Let Jesus work within you. Be this snapshot of God's transformative power. Just like back when Jesus was pointing to those people saying, Look at this person. This person couldn't walk and now they could. We can do the same thing right now because we can point to each other and say, Look, God is at work deeply in your life. Your life. Matters. Together with other snapshots, we see more clearly this big, this big picture of the kingdom of God, that it's going to be worth it, folks. So here's a big question. Right now there are those of you who feel a little bit lost, kind of like John did even in prison. He knew all the right answers, but he still felt a bit lost. And you're there wherever you are right now And you'd say, Pastor, I'm in this position where I feel lost as well. I feel broken. I feel like things aren't measuring up or lining up the way that I would like for them to, and it's just not making sense right now. The biggest challenge that I'm gonna lay before you is just like John had to, we have to. We've gotta trust Jesus, folks. We've gotta trust him. Every bit of our lives, every moment of our lives, And I'm going to invite you to take those first steps in following after Jesus. Now, just like we read in these parables, it's not a a simple decision, well, it's a simple decision, but living this life in Christ can at times be difficult. Just ask anybody who's been a Christian for a long time. There are moments when it's difficult. But we would all say, I believe, the same thing, that it's worth it. So wherever you are right now, I'm going to invite you to just pray a very, very simple prayer right after me. And I'm gonna help you with the words, super simple. Nothing magical about it, just helping you with words uh, in this moment. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for changing my life. I invite you in to every bit of who I am. Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins. Jesus, thank you for giving me new life. Jesus, help me to have influence in the world around me. God, I know that you might start small, but God, I have big expectations. Jesus, thank you for changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. If you've never prayed a prayer like that or something similar, or maybe it's a rededication moment for you, and you need to know how to to take these first steps, I'm gonna invite you to text the word JOURNEY. To 74574, it'll be on, your, um, on the screen there, 74574, and this will help you take your first steps in following Jesus. It'll give you some prompts there uh, for you so that you can uh, um, take, uh, kind of learn what it means to follow after Jesus. This will be some audio for you uh, to follow through on, and I, I cannot encourage you enough to take advantage of this. It's a free resource uh, for you. Um, as uh, people looked around at the kingdom of God, as people looked around at Jesus' life, there were some who maybe would have despised its small beginnings. But the people who despise that small beginning will eventually have to eat their words. Meanwhile, those who are impatient to see the full outworking of uh, God's, uh, God's kingship, his kingdom, we must be prepared to wait. Folks, the outcome of the kingdom of God in our lives The kingdom of God being expressed through the church to the world around us. Folks, we see that injustice. We see the brokenness. We see the hurt, the pain that that our culture is currently experiencing. We know that people have been deeply impacted, and we pray, and we believe, and we serve, and we do what we can in our community. The outcome may take time, but the outcome is certain. The kingdom of God will prevail. Lives will be changed in Jesus Christ. We're in good company, folks. And remember, Jesus points to you to show the kingdom of God. He points to you as an individual to show the kingdom of God. And together, as the body of Christ, where we reveal that big picture of what it should be, of racial reconciliation. We show what it should be when it comes to, to justice, both economic and social. We, uh, it shows what it should be when it comes to, to various, um, various demographics that the church of, um, the church of God uh, in Jesus Christ, that we become that picture of the kingdom of God. We are that snapshot that God cherishes. We are the one he points to. So Life Church Utah, remember that God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. In order to be more like Jesus, folks, uh, we, in order to lead them to be more like Jesus, we have to be more like Jesus. So Lord, I thank you for today. God, I'm so grateful for the opportunity we have to gather together this morning. God, you truly are an incredible king. In Jesus, we thank you for showing us the way back to relationship with the Father. Lord, we trust you. God, we know that at times it seems to be taking way longer than we expected, but God, in the end, uh, we thank you that it's going to be worth it. And God, all the sacrifices that have been done uh, through the years, all of those big sacrifices in relationship, big sacrifices financially, big sacrifices uh, when it comes to uh, being involved in the culture around us, whatever that looks like, Lord, I thank you that you are pointing back to us as snapshots of your kingdom in action. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we love you. And uh, God, we truly do give you all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget, everyone. Um, our public services will reopen on July twelfth uh, here at the West Valley campus, nine thirty a.m. and eleven a.m. Note the time change for those who've been a part of uh, Life Church for a long time. Uh, nine thirty a.m. and eleven a.m. Uh, and then uh, for the Tooele campuses and Life Church Espanol, uh, they will have their normal times. Tooele, eleven a.m. and the Life Church Espanol one fifteen uh, p.m. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, God bless all of our fathers. Happy Father's Day. And we will see you next week.